Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast series, In Conversation With. Hello and welcome to the Global Cosmetics News Podcast. Today we'll be talking about age and beauty. And first, it's my pleasure to introduce our panellists. We have Tracy McAlpine, founder of Fighting 50, Natasha Samek, strategy director at Butterfly Cannon, and Grace Fodor, founder of ProAge Studio 10. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello. So we're here to talk about the older consumer. We're not necessarily going to define that. We'll talk throughout the next hour about different ages. But it's no secret that beauty brands are focused on millennial consumers. Why have older women traditionally been ignored, do you think? I mean, a recent study by We Are Superhuman said that 70% of older women, let's say 50 plus, feel ignored by mainstream media. Why do you think that is, Tracy? I think really it goes back to society hasn't actually caught up with the fact that older people, firstly, people are living longer. They're actually living more active lives. And I don't think we, we've really identified this older consumer terribly well. I think we're still caught up in the fact that people get to 50 and suddenly need mobility aids and funeral plans and things like that, whereas 50 is halfway through. And I think we need to readdress how society looks at people who are ageing and how we market to them. Are we saying that beauty brands don't see the 50 plus consumer as sexy? I mean, perhaps you'd have something to tell us about this, Grace. Well, the research that you're talking about, the other thing they said is that women sort of middle age, and it's really 40, 45 and above, they don't feel catered for and they feel invisible. And we change, our skin changes and our needs change. So with Studio 10, I wanted, and it was for myself, because I don't use the same skincare as I did in my 40s as I did in my 20s, because my skin is different, has different needs. And I thought, well, why am I using the same makeup? So that was really why I developed it. So it's specific, it caters for that audience and our needs. But what's really interesting is when you look at the beauty industry, and it's not just beauty, it's beauty, it's fashion, it's music, it's film, it's it's media, global media. Women, especially, not so much men, are invisible completely. And I think that in turn creates this invisibility that women feel. It's a real confidence. Most women, most middle-aged women do not feel confident in themselves, how they look. They don't feel valuable. They don't feel beautiful. And it's completely wrong. And the word middle age, the connotations, the stereotypes, as Tracy said, it's completely outdated and it does not reflect modern day middle age women. So we need to redefine it. I mean, how can we reverse this cult of youth, as it were? And how can we make people more of different ages more visible? Do you want to tell us a bit about that, Natasha, about how, from a brand strategy point of view, you would bring in different ages? Well, I guess it's, um, we'll probably talk a lot about this, around the terminology around anti-aging, because about older women being ignored by the beauty industry, it feels like they haven't been ignored in terms of like oil of lane or the advertising has been around for a really long time. So they've been there and this idea of like catering and that anti-aging market has been huge and very lucrative. But it's just that it's always been about anti-aging and there's yeah. something you need to cure as if it's really a horrendous thing. So it's really the narrative around And it's a aging. negative, isn't it? Yeah. The word anti-aging. Mm. So the whole... The whole marketing is you can look younger, you can be younger, chase youth, chase youth, because youth is the only thing that has value. 
And what's yeah. interesting in beauty, well, actually in most consumer markets for women, it is the most lucrative market. So you're right, they've created this anti-age, which is a negative, what they haven't done. So interestingly, with Studio 10, and not just us, there's a few other brands as well in, in fashion, and we don't use the word anti-age. For us, it's pro-age. And it's that switch, isn't it? Yeah. Let's market, let's target these women, but do it positively, that there's value in ageing. And, you know, from my perspective, I, I don't want to be younger. I don't want to be 35. I don't want to be 30. I don't want to be 25. I'm happy being 52. But for me, it's embracing it and it's celebrating it. I think there's been an improvement, though, hasn't there? Since I started fighting 50 almost seven years ago, everybody was talking anti-aging then. And I think we've got some better expressions now. We've got pro-aging as a mainstream rather than just as, as an excuse. So I think we're actually getting to the point where we've got really done away with anti-aging haven't we yeah I mean I think it was a lure editor um, who decided that they were not yeah. going to use yeah, that term yeah. in their publication Absolutely. full stop maybe two years ago so the, the conversation is changing it is perhaps we need a few more figureheads I mean we've had some really impressive media I'd say over the last year where for a start older women are turning up on Instagram feeds of major brands we've had Mac mm. Charlotte Tilbury etc and we've also had some wonderful television programs with strong older female leads Grace and Frankie is one of them um, yeah, it's a fantastic that. show I mean obviously I, it's yes. age 70 to 80 rather than age um, 50 but do you think we're, we're getting there do you think the message is hitting home perhaps it feels to me that it's hitting home, but it is still taking a while because you still see there's still that danger of tokenism and saying, oh, okay, oh, now we need to speak about older people. Let's just have the oldest person ever who's been a model to show how much we care about this age group. And it's not about that. So even... It's got to be authentic. Yeah, exactly. It? And, and real. really resonate, yeah. Because mm. even that Space NK um, and NARS collaboration, 2015, about timeless beauty and had those models like a younger person and an older person together. And But then, then they've disappeared. They've never talked about it since. So mm. it's just that... It's not. It shouldn't be a campaign. It should be part of your brand strategy and your approach, and not just like a segmentation. Old people, young people. It's the extremes again, young isn't it? Yeah, either young or old, and and nothing in between. And I think that's where perhaps age in, as a diversity issue is perhaps taking longer than other diversity issues to come through because a lot of the diversity conversation was spearheaded by indie brands who do Instagram marketing mm. and are targeted at millennials. So they're very inclusive on sort of sense of race, disability, but not so much on age. And we haven't quite had that come through yet. Now the millennial consumer is hitting 40. Um, <laughs> my hand up there. Um, I think we might start to see a bit more of that with people who automatically need to feel included because they are shopping on Instagram. I think I saw an interesting statistic that 40 plus is actually the fastest growing segment on Instagram of, of, of joiners and people who are in, engaging. I think that's been fairly common over the last few years that social media, the age bracket is going up. And I think also if we've got half the population over 50, it's a massive demographic that we've got to actually address every aspect of, of ageing and how we speak to people and how we include them. I think for me, it sort of starts with what the modern day 40, 50 year old woman is. And it's completely different to, say, my mother's generation. And I was really thinking about it and this sort of building up in my mind, this this sort of concept of 
age blurring. So I was thinking about women today. Women generally are having children much later and much older. So therefore, in their career, they're getting to higher positions, they're used to earning money, they're much more independent, they might be getting married later, they might not be getting married, and they're having children much more later. So there's a lot more independence in them. And also, I've got a 19-year-old, and I actually wrote an article, should you wear the same clothes as your teenage daughter? And what's interesting, I've got three daughters, in fact, but... In terms of fashion, media, music, film, we all like the same sort of stuff. Like, we all shop in Zara, whereas that would never have happened in my mother's generation. So I think there's this sort of blurring of music and fashion. We go to concerts together. We've been to festivals together. So, I don't know, it's blurred. And I think that makes a big difference. And I, I was thinking about it on another level. So I feel women today, we're much younger in our attitudes, we're healthier, we're into fitness, and we're much more independent in ourselves. And also teenagers, and maybe it's because of social media, I'm not sure, but they seem to be much more mature, have a lot more emotional intelligence. So I wonder if that's made, made a difference. So the young are older and the old are younger, <laughs> old, younger. and we're meeting and in the middle. And actually I had a joint, my, my daughter and I, my 50th, and we had a joint 50th, 18th birthday party. That would never have happened in my mother's day. And if you did, you'd have all the grown-ups in one area and all the teenagers. And we just blended, blurred, danced, had an amazing time. And I think that's a dynamic that's changing as well. Do you think it's also that as a generation we're hitting the first part where it wasn't necessarily seen as adults versus kids, that we're families are more engaged with each other rather than so. I, this is what I say, Sonny. Yeah, um, I think it's you know, so that we, we would mix more and we would socialise more together. Even the conversations I have with my teenage daughters, I would never, there's a lot more openness, transparency, communication. It isn't, as you said, that sort of, you know, I'm the parent, you do this, you do that. And they're too scared to talk to you. And I think that's a real positive. And who do we think is marketing to this age group well? Who's who's stands out? As I think the niche brands, the indie brands are the one that they've really got the message. They've understood the demographic better. And rather than marketing to you as if you're you know you have some disease that has to be cured i mean aging is not a disease it's a fact of life and we all are going to go through it hopefully and i think they are doing it extremely well and what they've done is instead of identifying people as as someone who needs a product to stop them aging and to stop them getting older or looking older they're actually concentrating on you looking well and healthy and I think this whole term of healthy skin is so much better than anti-aging and I think most of the independent and niche brands that I've been working with have really understood this message and they're they're actually doing it extremely well. Mm. And it's so I'm interested to know your point of view on this as well because there are brands that are talking about like L'Oreal and Niels Yard but I still feel that everyone's maybe it's just the stage that it's at at the moment but everyone still feels like a fight it's like, oh, we're here to disrupt. We're here to change the conversation around oh, yeah. ageing. And it's it's like, oh, I have to buy into this brand and I'm therefore I'm making really a statement rather than just buying beauty. I think we're all a little age. bit past that. I think we're past. I think that statement was made maybe 10 years ago that you, you've got to fight it. You've got to put out this message that we're going to be 
looking to produce products and give solutions to people who are trying not to age and trying to look younger. Whereas I think we've gone past that. I think we now just want to to look well, look healthy. And I think the brands are starting to understand that. Do you think, because I was, but even though the Neil Ziad range that's just been launched, the whole narrative around it is we want to change the way people perceive older women. There's a difference. I have this thing in, you know, is it really authentic? Mm. You know, I'm so passionate about pro-age, about celebrating age. And I do feel we still need that narrative for sure. And then there are brands, and it's not just beauty, it's fashion. It's And they see it as a lucrative market, and it's a campaign, or let's capitalise, mm-hmm. and it's commercial. And that really frustrates me, because it's not real and it's not authentic. And the difference is, we are not stupid. We might be hitting menopause, but we still have our brain cells. And there is still so much really poor advertising, targeting yeah. middle-aged women. And it's a few years old now, but Dior did an ad campaign for an anti-wrinkle cream. I wrote a piece, it was about two years ago, actually. I wrote a piece about it because I was. it made me really quite angry. It was an anti-wrinkle cream, and they used Cara Delevingne, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking Dior, we're talking mass agencies, multi-million pound deals, and I don't care what anybody says, there is no lotion or potion that's going to get rid of your wrinkles that you look like Cara Delevingne. It just is not going to happen. And I just thought it's dumbed down advertising as though we're going to buy into it. Mm. And then I explored in the article, for me, it was a lack of authenticity. Using Cara Delevingne for an anti-wrinkle cream does not, does not resonate. It's not credible. Certainly not authentic. And then I explored, it doesn't mean I don't want to see Cara Delevingne in an ad for something, even though I'm in my 50s. Maybe if it was fashion or... So you can still use younger models, but it's it's got to be sophisticated and it's got to resonate. And I just thought it was dumbed down, really easy. You know, do you think it's going back to that same story again that we're trying to to fend off aging? So you're using a younger model, so that actually appeals to a younger audience who may buy into this product to prevent aging again. So we're coming back into that circle. So if you're using somebody in their their late 20s or their 30s, that that demographic will then buy into that product, hoping that they will never get lines and wrinkles. So you're you're targeting them at that age, hoping that they'll come on board and and get some brand loyalty. That's a really, really good point. And actually, I've met a lot of girls in their 20s. And I was on a panel during the week and they had a plastic surgeon, dermatologist. And one of the big trends actually is in like 20-year-olds talking about prevention because mm. they don't want to age. So you're right, maybe. I think that's what <gasps> worries me, that they're using younger people to, yeah. to try and... And I think it's installing fear again, this fear yeah. of ageing, so that women in their 30s, 40s are prepping themselves for for what may come in the future. Well, I can certainly attest that my 26-year-old sister asked me for anti-wrinkle cream for Christmas. And I I told her it was ridiculous. I bought her vitamin C cream. Um, (laughs) But but I can also say that I, I know a lot of people in the 29 to 35 range who have preventative Botox and have since they were 25, which is, Mm. you know, shocks me. But they believe that that means they'll never age. So certainly there is a fear there amongst young people. It's because ageing, especially women, has no value. 
that's the fundamental problem. And in men, it's a positive. So you get the silver fox, you get gravitas, kudos, wisdom. you know, all that wisdom. <laughs> it is a positive, whereas in women, it is a negative. And Down to really... you're not attractive, you're not able, you're not... You know, I read an article that if you're working full-time at the age of 45 for your own mental and emotional well-being, you really should start to look to work part-time. Seriously? This was a broadsheet that wrote this piece, piece of research that came out. And why? What was that? And I was just because of the stress and we should... You'd never, How could ever you possibly say that about a man. That, yeah, because I know. if we're now having to work till 67, how on earth can you afford to start winding mm. down at 45? But you'd never say that about a man. And then, you know, how we talk about these things... If you see, I don't know, the Oscars or the Golden Globes, an amazing photo of Nicole Kimmon, people, you know, you read all the articles and they go, oh, she looks amazing for her age. Doesn't she look fantastic? She looks so much younger. She looks phenomenal for her age. They never say that about George Clooney. Mm. They talk about the accomplishment of an award that he's won, not what he looks like. It's the language, which is mm. what you said, the rhetoric around it. It does have to change. On both accounts, him. we need a change in yeah. in the message. You know, to younger consumers, we need to be showing them that there's value in age. And for older consumers, they need to be reflect what they actually see in the mirror in advertising and in the message. And also perhaps in the product. I mean, let's talk about products. What innovation do we think needs to come into the sphere for it actually to be useful? You've mentioned that, you know, at 50, you're not someone who needs a Zimmer frame to be advertised to you. What, what would you like to see? Well, I think what we're all looking for are solutions, targeted products that will help our skin to age well. So I think it's not all about correcting. I don't think we necessarily want to try and correct something that we've already got. So we're not, do you know, no one has ever written to me asking, how do I get rid of lines and wrinkles? Because we expect that skin is going to age. We know we're going to get lines and wrinkles. So what we're looking for are products that are, are highly active, that really do kickstart our skin to behave as it did when it was younger. So we're looking for ingredients that will continue a process that our skin's been going through so it doesn't start to degrade. That's what we're really looking for. So functional products. I think we've got to swing now away from single ingredient products. We had this phase with Neod and, and The Ordinary bringing out so many single ingredients and people got desperately confused by it. I had readers who bought everything and used everything and then couldn't understand why their skin was reacting. So I think we're looking for products that will address a number of different things. So pigmentation, skin um, volume, firmness, plumpness, moisture. I think all those things, we want that all in one, one jar, really. So maybe it is hope in a jar, but we want something that will address a number of signs of ageing. So simple, multifunctional. What about, for example, CBD oil, which has been touted as the latest miracle product? Well, I think we're still on the early stages with CBD. I think um, we don't... To be honest, I haven't tested it long enough to actually know of its benefits. But I think, again, it may be another trend that people are looking at. But I, I think it's it's good quality ingredients. Um, certainly as you get older, I think you have a tendency to move away from mainstream products and you're looking more at natural and organic 
ingredients. That's certainly something my readers are looking for, often because of illness, that they're actually looking for something that's not going to harm their skin in any way. My mum loves makeup. She has loads of potions and lotions and just really enjoys makeup and beauty. Um, but she had breast cancer three years ago. And since then, before, she didn't even look at what was in the products, mm. in anything, in like, you know, cleaning fluids, makeup, anything like that it just wasn't on her radar at all. And now it's, you know, she's just too scared to dye her hair, to put anything on her face, use hand cream, because there's all this stuff out there. And it's like, is it all natural, right? Is it organic, right? Which one is right for me? Which one is okay? Is paraben free? She doesn't know what to look for. So she just stopped. I think we become far more aware as we get older and more inquisitive. I think we're more likely to look at ingredients and, and find out what's in a product before we buy it. I think actually often the beauty industry forget how well from the consumer is. We've got so many ways of finding out about products now with the internet, with YouTube, with social media. We can actually investigate a product before we buy it. But do you think yeah. you can get lost in a rabbit hole of that research? Because yes. I found that myself <laughs> and I look into it a lot and I'm still confused. Yes. And I, do I just want to say, can I use this product with this product? What will happen then? And it's just still... I think there's a lot of, um, in the beauty industry, that part of the sort of Studio 10, you know, me, I'm not a makeup artist, I'm a consumer. So whether it's makeup, skincare, there are so many products, there's so many ingredients, there's so many brands. It is very confusing. It's almost overwhelming and intimidating. And with makeup... You know, I used to go into a department store and they'd have like 400 different SKUs. And I'm mm. like, well, which one do I need to use? And you just break it down into, you know, what do you need and break it down into simplicity. And I've, I literally, I meet so many women, lots of women who don't wear makeup. And I love makeup as a medium. I think it is so powerful. A little bit goes a long way. And I've distilled it into four quick steps. One, two, three, four, that's it. I use this phrase, slap and go, which my PR person says, you can't say that, it's not a technical asking, but it's true, it's slap and go, but it makes such a difference. And it doesn't have to be complicated, it can be demystified. But especially with makeup, because it's topical, you're putting it on your skin, your skin changes, you do have fine lines and wrinkles, you have enlarged pores, you might have darker circles. So it's got to do a job of work and the texture makes a difference the finish makes a difference how it sits on the skin but really super powerful and interesting we were talking about do you want to look younger for us or for me it's about being the very best version of yourself and your age and I like that because you're embracing your age and it doesn't matter whether you're 40 50 60 70 or 80 be the very very best version that you can be and my mum, even up to 84, she still put a little bit of lipstick on. And it made her feel great. That was the other thing as well. It made her feel fantastic. And I think the cosmetics market in general is moving towards a sort of celebration of creativity and glow at any age. Again, the best version of you rather than correct change yeah. that that sort of narrative is, is disappearing yeah. in, in all sectors whether it's cellulite or or wrinkles we don't want to be told get rid of it anymore we mm. want to be told and i think enhance. that's a switch in marketing because if you look at millennial marketing and you look at you know social media you look at instagram they are trying to emulate those icons Everybody wants to look like Kim Kardashian. Everybody wants to look like Kylie Jenner, whoever it is. That's what they're emulating. They're emulating that look. Whereas 
in this sort of age group, it's almost the antithesis. It's actually, yeah, you can be inspired, but be yourself, be you. There is no one more beautiful than you. And we're all individual. So for me, I don't want to look like everybody else. I mean, I'd love to look like Nicole Kidman, but no. But it's that there is a difference. And I think that's where the marketing really needs to to go. Yeah, and as you just said, George, that trend about being who you are and identity, and that's prevalent in all age groups. So you see about masking yourself to look a certain way. I know that still does exist, like people emulating all the kind of contouring things that Kim Kardashian does. So it's that is still always going to exist, probably. But there is more of a trend to identity and expressing yourself and being who you want to be. And therefore, it's natural that that's progressed into the older age group because that's whatever age you are, whoever you are, be yourself and express be yourself you. in whatever you want to be. Again, across all age groups, there's also a move towards less dictatorial, less uh, sort of a pushback against you're suggesting that I should change for you. And whether that is showing your skin with acne on it or not wanting to to use the term anti-age, it's uh, increasing women's independence has also led to a, oh, hang on, that, that's not your beauty standards. I mean, there's even a, a hashtag F your beauty standards mm. on Instagram mm. that, that amongst the 40 plus age group um, comes up quite often. Uh, like, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's interesting that, that, that as women become more independent and working longer and have more disposable income, that we are saying, you can't tell me how to look either. I'll, I'll wear these clothes if I if I want to wear dungarees, I'll wear dungarees. I don't have to yeah. wear stilettos. It's it's an interesting... It is, it, do you know what? We get a lot of women emailing and contacting us. And it's interesting because they say, but it's about ageing gracefully. It's about ageing naturally. It's about ageing, you know, gracefully. And I just go, well, says who? And... We've got this, you know, we're really inclusive because I I really believe there is no way to age. There's no right or wrong. And what we say is we, you do you. Doesn't matter. You do you, however you want to do it. Because I have, we've written articles on Botox or fillers and people going, well, how can you do that? How can you support it? How can you support plastic surgery? How can you, it's, you should age gracefully. It's choice, and I'm, it? it's a choice. You do you, you do what's right for you. And... You know, I always cite my story with my closest, dearest friend. We're the same age. And she's 90% grey. And it's her choice. And she looks phenomenal. She looks stunning. She looks phenomenal. She's confident in it. It's not for me. It's not for me. I'll probably be dyeing my hair when I'm 101. And there's the difference. But there's no right or wrong. But I do feel, and if you look through social media, there's a lot of judgment. And the judgment comes from women, yeah. actually, not just you know, a lot of negativity. And I've put stuff out and I've I've had comments like, I can't believe you're saying that and you should grow old gracefully. And I was just like, well, says who? Yeah, that's just really patronising because when you're, so when you're younger, you're allowed to do whatever you want. Oh, you can have a a boob job or wear loads of makeup or not wear loads of makeup and think natural is good or this is good. There's, you can do whatever you want, but suddenly when you hit a certain age, no, you have to do it this way. Yeah. So why? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And what about, I mean, generally opening up conversations, you know, we've had the period emoji come. I mean, is it time to start opening conversations up about menopause as well? I mean, I don't know if any of you saw the Mariella Frostrup 
documentary recently that you know people don't really talk about it does the cosmetics industry need to talk about it a bit more do we need to innovate specifically for this age group that's going through menopause because your skin does change Mm. I think Actually, menopause is having a moment. It really is. (laughs) At the moment. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. (laughs) And it has become very fashionable, I think. Mm. And I think in the past, women have just dealt with the menopause. They, They know it's coming. And much as you go through puberty, you go through menopause. And we've dealt with it. Whereas now it's become a marketing opportunity, I think. And I think skincare brands are addressing it. There are some companies that are producing ranges because no doubt your skin will change it will become drier, you have hormonal issues, you have hormonal breakouts. And companies are addressing this, but I think it's become another marketing opportunity in much the same way as older women are. Mm. It's a lucrative demographic, and I think it's a missed opportunity if, if brands don't actually seize this. It's really on the agenda. But what I do like is it's not a taboo subject anymore, and you've got some amazing resources you know, like Meg Matthews, Andrew McLean from Loose Women has got this girl's on fire. She's written a best-selling book on menopause. So I like the fact that it's out there. But also treatments change because I thought that one rule suits all has changed now. There's so many different types of treatments and approaches and lots of discussion around HRT. And so I think it's positive generally. I mean, do you think it's an opportunity for the cosmetics industry, especially with the conversation around HRT, which I believe is that it might potentially be quite dangerous and and a lot of people are choosing not not to use it at all, with the sort of advent of popularity of natural and organic products along this, could cosmetics industry start innovating in that space? Could we have a cosmetics HRT segment it's an interesting thought. I don't know if we could. I don't know if that's that's actually feasible. But I think there's certainly a lot more that can be done to look at skin conditions during menopause. And I think there's, as I said, opportunities for brands to actually move into this sphere. There are some dedicated menopause brands out there, but I think there's a lot more. And as Grace will know, that you're not only does your skin change, but if you have a hot flush, your makeup's likely to go with it as well. <laughs> so I think, yes, there's a lot of opportunities that we can address that. How I feel about identifying it as being a problem, I'm not sure that I'm happy with that because I don't think, as much as I think we have to open the conversation, we have to talk about it, it's not a disease. It's not an illness. It's not something that needs curing. It's something that we need good products to get us through it, but we don't need saving. You know, we're not waiting for the beauty industry to come along and and rescue us. So as much as I think, yes, it's a great opportunity to produce products, I don't want it really marketed to us as if we need some sort of uh, cure for the menopause. Which is Is what you said about ageing. It's not a disease. Mm. You know, it's not bad. It's not a disease. It's not an illness. It is a fact of life and actually should be celebrated. If your skin does change considerably at that point, then it would be great if there were products aimed specifically at addressing your skin differences at that point in your lifestyle. So at the moment, we are seeing brands coming up for skincare for pregnant women or skincare for younger people. So there are kind of these segments and people are understanding that your skin does change at different life stages. It's not really about age. It's about what your skin changing and all the moments that happen. So if your skin changes to your menopause, then, you know, it is an opportunity for products that address that. 
I think so. I think it's the marketing that we have to just be careful of. I think we have to, I, I just think healthy skin is the, the way yeah, to healthy. go. And I think we've got so many environmental in- aggressors at the moment that we've got to worry about throughout every age. It doesn't matter what age you are, you're still going to get problems from blue light and, and UV mm. light. Add that, you know, with some hot flushes and things like that. Any products that can help you go through the menopause better, I think, are an advantage. I just don't really want it to be promoted to us as if this is a cure for menopausal skin. Yeah, yeah I, I think that. perhaps solution-based marketing. I mean, if we're saying age is not a problem, if we're saying that ageing is not really phenomenon now that we have a zeitgeist and that crosses all ages and that we dress the same and might have the same music taste in music then how are marketers going to approach marketing set products they really need to focus on the solution like what what are they trying to solve but it's going back to needs like consumer needs so not just beauty and if it's a car if you're targeting mums with two three children they're going to need perhaps a people carrier or a larger car regardless of their age with studio 10 it's as you said skin changes so it's products developed for maturing mature skin because like tracy said skin's much drier um and i think that's fine but for me it always comes back to it being authentic and real it's when it's not done authentically. Consumers today are so in tune, they're so savvy, and they will not be spoken to unless there is some intelligence. And going back to the marketing side, there's some really poor marketing aimed at this age group. And we are intelligent, we are sophisticated, and you know what? We don't buy into it. It does not work. And of course, with social media now, consumers have voices. So they can say, well, that's a load of old crap. I mean, there's backlash on so much marketing. So I think it's okay to target certain needs, but it always comes back down to the consumer. And how you do it, yeah, because you can't, we can't pretend that you're not marketing something to a more mature skin, because then you can't find what you're looking for either, because it's so hidden. It's again like, therefore not talking about something and pretending that Mm. that doesn't exist. So we still need to say for mature skin, unless it is something for a specific function. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just about not using, saying anti-aging or saying it's a bad thing, just saying it's a thing. Yeah, because yeah. that's how skincare, you know, you buy skincare for a skin condition or a need. And so for me with the Studio 10 and the makeup was, okay, my sk- I don't use the same skincare. My needs are different and therefore my makeup needs are different. In terms of the product, as I said, texture, finish, ingredients is really important. But also my lifestyle. I don't have time. I'm, you know, they talk about this generation being the sandwich generation because you've got, you know, teenage, you're having children later. So you've got children at home or they've gone and they're coming back. And then we've got aging parents who are living longer. And so one thing, and we're working, we're much more independent, don't have time. So also relating to my lifestyle is very different, very different to my mother's generation. It's got to be quick, it's got to be easy, it's got to be multi-purpose, multi-function. I don't know any woman who spends 45 minutes doing her beauty routine. It's literally slap and go. 
So all those things have to go into product development. And that's where you get brands that really cater for that market and other brands who don't do it very well. The difference is consumers really, really know the difference. It's about understanding the consumer and that's the sort of age old diversity issue, isn't it? It's having the people in the room. You know, if you if you've got a room full of twenty year olds trying to market to fifty year olds, they can't necessarily relate. <laughs> you know, so we need to have make sure that every room includes a wide, diverse age group as well as different races and and can actually relate. I completely agree. And I've spoken about this for for many years. I I gave a talk at the Beauty Trends Conference in 2013, asking brands to actually start from the drawing board up. So not only when you're looking at how you're going to market the product to older people, but also how you design the product and how you develop it. For instance, having type that you can read without putting your glasses on in store. Because if you go to a store and you pick up a product, Natasha will know more about this than I I do from a, a brand design perspective. But if you pick up a product and you can't read the type without putting your glasses on, you'll just move on to one that that you can. Having bottles that when you put them in the shower, you obviously haven't got your glasses on in there. So you know which is the shampoo, you know which is the conditioner. It seems like such a fundamental thing, but actually a lot of brands have never considered this. And you you put two products in the shower, they're absolutely identical. You've got no idea which is the shampoo or which is the conditioner. So start from a you know, drawing board up how you're going to produce this product, how your consumer's going to use it. Can they read the packaging? Can they open the bottle? And this isn't, you know, necessarily people in their 40s and and 50s, but a lot of people are buying the same product, whether they're 70 or 80 or, or 40 or 50. So I think you've got to start from the drawing board out, realign your marketing team, bring in some older people to consult and actually explain what the difficulties as you get older, what the problems are with your skin, what ingredients you're looking for, and just start right at the beginning addressing the problems for older people. I'm laughing because my my mum had such a tirade last time she came to my house about the shampoo and conditioner bottles being the same in the shower. Yes, (laughs) unfortunately, it is a problem. It really is. I know. I can put my hand up for that. (laughs) (laughs) And the structural design, as you said, whether you can open it or not, because actually you're talking quite a lot about 40s, 50s, 60s, but then my grandma's 95 and she still wears makeup. And so... There's like, it's all ages. It's again, we can't just segment 40 and over. It's actually, there's like a re, it's a really wide age group. As I said, like 50s at middle age, there's like a half. Well, you look at Iris Apfel, who's just been been hired by, I will given a modelling contract by uh, IMG at 97, you know. I think this is what we've got to really think about in society, that we've got, you know, half the population now over 50 Mm. and how we cater for them in the future and how we are inclusive right from design through to to the shelf, literally, Mm. from the drawing board to the shelf, how we um, produce products and how we talk to that older consumer. And let's not forget that a lot of younger people still have problems with dexterity, with eyesight, with hearing. It's not only an ageing problem. You know, we have other people who do have disabilities that maybe we should be considering when we're actually designing products. So, I mean, from a packaging viewpoint, we will also need to look at inclusivity from packaging 
you know, things need to be easy open. I mean, I, I know that I struggle with a twist. My flatmate when I was mm. at university went absolutely mad once because everything she picked up by the lid was loose <laughs> and splashed on the floor because I never do them up. But, you know, it, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? Easy absolutely, open, yeah. flip tops perhaps for on a compact or, you know easy pumps, things that things that aren't going to be fiddly and tiny. I think, so as heavy. Natasha said, women of all ages will still want to be buying. And when we say beauty products, let's think about toiletries. You know, even whatever age you are, you're buying shower gels yeah. and, uh, and deodorants, moisturisers and makeup. So we've got a huge age span there that, uh, and when you think about it, not only is this such a, a lucrative demographic and, and such a huge one, but you think about that spend over those possibly 50 years to miss out on that age group is, is quite detrimental to a brand, really. It's, so, it's interesting what you say, because there are a couple of things that I built into the range so, for instance, in our compacts, a lot of Studio 10 is multi-purpose, multi-function. So I've got this idea, you know, well, I have a suitcase full of product. I just want a small makeup bag. So everything, and I want everything in one place because I don't have time. It's got to be quick. It's got to be easy. I can throw it in my handbag. So look, our compacts, one of the things I did, which I was really frustrated with when I bought makeup before, is all the pans are the same size. But you always use some product more than the other. Classic is the eyeshadow. You always use the highlighters more than the other, than the darker. So we weighted all of our compacts according to how much you'd use. All of our brushes, I don't want 50 flipping makeup brushes. We've got five and that is all you need, but they're double-ended. Do you know, we had so much press coverage. Indian Night from the Sunday Times said it was genius. And I was like, it's not genius, it's just common sense. If you put yourself mm -hmm. in the position of a real living woman consumer, and I always say, you know, Studio 10 is developed by a real woman for real women. Actually, it's developed by real women for real women with real lives. Mm. And our lives are different and we're certainly more busy than we've ever been. And those little nuances are the things that people pick up on. And I think it's really interesting. And the other one is that we've got big mirrors. You know, the whole mirror fills the compact and they're like, oh, it's fantastic to have such a big mirror. Well, of course, because I can't see half of one. <laughs> yeah, well, that is interesting. It's the usability of everything rather than because people have always wanted beauty packaging that looks beautiful as well. Not just, I know there is that trend to being more um, like ordinary skincare and just say, doing what it says in the tin, but the that's just like a aspiration, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But it's just balancing that with, you know, accessibility and readability and navigation be able to find what you want as well and just not just saying oh it needs to look beautiful it's beautiful usable be functional, functional yeah. as well and it's like balancing both those mm. and not bulky <laughs> yeah <laughs> take up too much room yeah well we're living in smaller and smaller spaces now and we're on the move so much more yeah. as well we're much more transient so we're true. rushing we're moving where i just I, for me what i think is interesting is we've got this term middle-aged women all these negative connotations and stereotypes, and they are outdated. We need to actually redefine what and who that woman is. And there are different aspects. As you know, we were sort of saying that, you know, 40 to 50 is huge difference in life stage, 50 to 60, huge different dynamics, 60 to 70 and above. And it's not this sort of one capture all under the banner of, middle age and there's all this chat now about well what is middle age 
you know, traditionally it was 45 to 50. Now people are saying, well, middle age really starts at 60 or, you know, 55 or... So there's a lot of That's questions. very optimistic though, isn't it? Being 120. You never know. Especially with rebranding things, like this is the new this. this oh, is I new know. This is I think it makes us feel better. I love saying, you know, 50 is the new 30. <laughs> 100 the new 20. Yeah. <laughs> Where does it stop? Let's talk retail. What... What can retailers do to to appeal to this age group? I mean, all oh. retail is changing at the moment. Are these consumers online? Are they going into store? What do they want to see there? Do you know, the first thing I think they could do is have older women in store. Because one of the biggest turnoffs for women is when they go into a retail space and they're just confronted by younger women who just don't represent them at all and that I think they find very hard it's quite intimidating to actually go into a retail space and have somebody looking at you up close maybe looking at all your flaws and saying oh well you really need this because this will put something right and if you've got a 20 year old woman recommending products that are going to in her eyes, make you look and feel better. It can be quite difficult. Women have a crisis of confidence during middle age and going through menopause anyway. And if they don't see themselves represented in store, I think that's really difficult. So firstly, I think if if brands and retailers had very well-educated older women selling product, I think that would make a huge difference. And I think also it may take some of the sales away from online, because at the moment women will go online because they don't want to go into a store, they don't want to have this this situation. So I think that's a, a really good starting point. I think also having point of sale that women actually can recognise themselves. It's a slight myth that women say they are invisible. It's not they themselves that are invisible. It's the fact that they don't see themselves represented. So if you think about your journey here today, you may have gone on the underground. Did you ever see a poster with an older, attractive, healthy-looking older women on the underground? Do you go in store and see women in point of sale? Do you see advertisements with women who are healthy and fit and well? Often it's in a negative situation. It's in a walk-in bath or a chairlift or or something negative. So I think if, if point of sale really addressed this older woman, if retail staff addressed them, I think it would be a big step forward. I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just trying to thinking about boots and what they have in there. It's I think a boots, one in fairness, I think boots have been very inclusive. I, I don't think for a minute they haven't been. And I think in, boots are probably one of the exceptions where they, in fact, I've done some work with boots and we've done um, videos with three generations with my daughter and my mother. So I think they are actually being, I'm thinking more of a department store rather than going into boots where I think they probably do it quite well. But if you imagine going into John Lewis, somewhere like that, the majority of staff will be younger and not older. Yeah. And do you think that's partly to do with, as well, quite a lot of the big beauty brands that you see in department stores are also fashion brands and fashion is obsessed with youth yes Mm. and so their big ads are always of really young people and therefore that's just what you see in and it's a good point because makeup traditionally is a fashion play 
So it's get the look, it's season, what's on trend, catwalks, celebrity, and it is that fashion play. Whereas skincare is about need and changing skin. And it's one of the things when I developed Studio 10 was we're not a fashion brand. We don't do colour at all. We don't have, if you want a bright coral lipstick because it's on trend, you can go to any other makeup brand. We're more in keeping. So I always say it's your skin but better, or it's your skincare with coverage. And it's interesting. So if you're playing out makeup concessions, yeah, they're young, they're gorgeous, they're, but that's not what middle-aged women want. And we're more about using makeup to you know, quick fix makeup, problem solving, quick fix makeup. And it's less about colour and fashion and more about quick fixes. So, you know, all of my makeup artists, funnily enough, are are older because they understand what it's like to be a middle-aged woman. And what Tracy said is absolutely true. But for me, it's not just beauty, it's also fashion. So I love Zara. I think it's the best place in the universe because I'm into fashion, I'm into trend. You know, I like to see what's coming through. But you walk into a Zara and every sales assistant is a young, gorgeous woman. And it can be really intimidating. I would disagree because for me, it's much like we were saying about packaging. It needs to be more accessible. I'd say the retail environment needs to be more accessible. Yeah, I agree. I hate Zara (laughs) with a passion and I hate Sephora too because the music is so loud. I can't hear myself think. I just, I can't stand loud environments like that. You know, it's, it's that But I mean, I love Zara clothing because I think it's on trend. It's affordable. It's and I I wear a lot of Zara clothing, but the store environment is very intimidating for middle aged women because they you know all the staff are young, gorgeous men and women, and it's not inclusive. So I think retail can definitely definitely change, and not just in beauty but also in fashion as well. So to sum up, we want multifunctional products we want them to be needs based and we want everything to be designed from the ground up to be more inclusive thank you all so much for joining us thank you tracy thank you natasha thank you grace and thank you to our listeners for listening in goodbye